our message today. We're talking about traveling light, and today we're talking about getting rid of discontentment. So how many of you enjoyed the, ser- the series so far? A lot of you come up and say, hey, it's been great. Yeah, it's good, good stuff. Just apply, you know, this whole idea of maybe during this holiday season, figuring out how to lighten the load a little bit emotionally, spiritually, to the point where I can move and be what God wants me to be. And so that's what we're talking about. We, and, and a lot of us, this time of year is it kind of gets a little heavy, you know, it kind of gets where the relationships kind of get in our face, and family kind of gets a little crazy, and you know, there's a lot of things, you know, the finances, I mean, everything kind of gets a little crazy around the holidays, even though it's supposed to be a time of joy, you know, and fun, and all those good things, and, and for a lot of us, it is, I mean, I, I've had a great time this week, uh, I've had, or actually last Friday night, Saturday, all day, yesterday, next few days, I've got both grandbabies, boys around, so I'm having a good time. I'm doing the grandpa thing, rocking the grandpa thing, you know, two arms, best I can. Hey, I got to go. I don't do diapers. Just throw that out there. I just try to stay as far away from that part of the process as I can. Enough said. Uh, but, but our goal for this whole series is that we would learn how to get rid of the things that weigh us down and hopefully lighten the load and especially travel light this Christmas. I mean, that's the whole idea that we're working on. Here's our key verse. And, uh, and, I, and, and I, I really encourage you to, when we throw out a key verse every series, that you would take time to read maybe the before and after of the text that we, we put out there. Because a lot of times, maybe we're going you know, to use three or four or five verses. And maybe there's a context that really gives you a bigger picture of what's going on. But here, here's our text. Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Since you have heard about Jesus... And by the way, it's all about Jesus. I mean, the whole, the whole travel light, somehow getting to a place that God wants me to be, is all about His activity in my life and Him doing something in me that I could never do myself. So since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, and the truth that comes from Him is simply this, that you and I are broken sinners, and only Jesus, a Savior, can fix that. That's why Jesus stepped into humanity in the first place. And so that's the truth that comes from Him. And in light of that, He goes on, throw off your old sinful nature. In other words, don't continue to live the way you did before you met Jesus. Begin to live this new life that God created you for. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. In other words, you've been learning a lot of habits over the years without Jesus. Now that you have begun this process or maybe you're beginning the process or exploring the process, something new should be happening in you. It should be different. So your former way of life is thrown off, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Instead, and he kind of gives us answers along the way, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And here's the idea. It's not about me trying to fix me. It's about letting God do what God does. It's, it's about allowing him to have access and, uh, and making him, uh, not making him, but allowing him to come in and by his spirit renew my thoughts, my attitudes, and really transform my heart through this process. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. The goal, that God would restore this image that you were created for and I was created for. And there's this phrase that jumped out at me this week, and it was this one. Truly righteous and holy. Truly righteous and holy. What's that mean, that I'm truly righteous and I'm holy? Uh, you know, and here's what it means in a, a real simple way. It means that I've been made whole or complete or there's a fullness about my life. 
There's this idea that I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm who I'm supposed to be in Christ. I, this, this idea of fullness or wholeness is that truly righteous. I'm in right relationship with God. I'm in a right place with God. All this is happening. And then the second part of that is I'm holy. Holy is kind of a weird word. Holy has to do with simply being separated for God's purpose. That's what, that's what holy is, is that I am holy, meaning that I have chosen before God to separate my life for him and unto him for his purpose and for his use. So if sum that up, that one phrase, it means this, Lord, may I be made whole so that you might use me. May I be made whole in this whole process of traveling light that somehow, some way, you might use me. And especially, let's just throw this out, during the holiday season. During the Christmas time, during the time when we hang out with family, because Lord, if ever I need you, Jesus, to flow through me, it's in the midst of when we're hanging out with family and doing all the things that we do right now. Lord, give me that spirit, that heart of who you want me to be, made righteous and holy. Then it goes on, a couple verses down. Get rid of all bitterness, and we talked about bitterness we, and rage and anger. We talked about harsh words and slander that we wouldn't be, you know, uh, critical. And then it says, as well as all types of evil behavior. He said, he said, anything that really gets in your way to becoming what God created you to be, get rid of it. Just throw it away. Travel light. Don't let it weigh you down. Instead, and he gives another answer, be kind to each other. Kindness and tenderheartedness is what many times breaks the most difficult situation. So if you face a difficult situation in your family this week or things that are going on, Kindness and gentleness and tenderheartedness does something. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ forgave you. So, so that verse is where we've been kind of hanging around, and we will again next week. So today, we're going to deal with another heavy thing we need to throw off, and it's discontentment. Discontentment, which is kind of an interesting thing because, you know, this week it's kind of a, an an appropriate topic for us to talk about going into the holidays because we are going to get into the gift time and we're going to open up gifts and it's going to be, you know, ah, or you're going to go, ooh, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, how many of you have gotten that present and you're like, man, this is a bigger box than normal. You know, it's like, wow, this paper is crazy. This is a nice gift, you know, and you start unwrapping it, all expecting it, exciting, and you get, whoo, your face is glowing. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you pull out, it's a pair of sweatpants from Walmart, you know, it's like, ah, or in my house, it's socks, you know, my mom is giving me socks, by the way, I'm still living off the blessing of 400 socks that you gave me a couple years ago, yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you, but something's happened though, my boys have discovered that I have these socks in a secret stash in my house, and they're slowly disappearing, yeah, I'm looking at my boys right now, but anyway, so, but this whole idea that, that we're opening these gifts and we get discontented, it doesn't work. Now, I, I think a lot of us struggle with this. I think if we're truthful and we're honest, I think most of us here today would say, I've had moments of discontentment or maybe even more serious, I'm discontented right now. And it's the reality of where we are. I think most of us, I've struggled with discontentment, not just with gifts. I'm not just talking about what we got at Christmas. I'm talking about life. That there's been moments of discontentment, or maybe there's been weeks or months or years of discontentment. And it's, it's just part of who we are. But that's not what God wants us to carry. 
That's not one of those things that is traveling light. It's a heavy thing that we need to get rid of. I asked myself this week during, during a time of prayer, why am I discontent at times? Why is that? Just, just kind of getting vulnerable with myself, just kind of asking, reflecting. Why is it at times I can find myself in that discontented place? What is up with that? You know, why is it happening to me? And so I just identified a few things. Here, here, and this is my list. I, and, and the first one, I don't always trust God completely every time. There's times that I just kind of go to certain places or certain ideas or certain scenarios, and I don't really trust that God's going to come through. And because of that, I get really discontented. I just don't know if God's going to make it happen the way he says he's going to make it happen. And I kind of pull back, and I doubt, and I know in my heart there's doubt at times because I don't always trust God completely. That's part of my reason for discontentment personally. Here's another one. Is I want perfection even though it's not realistic. I want it to be perfect even though the reality is there's nothing perfect. The reality is there's nothing that's 100% perfect. I mean, there's, there's close and there's excellence and all those kind of things, but perfect, that's probably unrealistic. But yet I want that, and so it causes a lot of discontentment in my own life. Here, here's another one is I have a hard time accepting my limits. I've realized something this, <clears throat> this last year or so. I've been unable to do a lot of the things that I feel like I'm successful at. You know, where I, I mean, I haven't been able to work on the motorcycles that I like to tinker with and play with as much because my shoulder won't let me crank on the wrenches as hard as I need to at certain points. I mean, I, I can't do construction work around my house. It makes me feel like I'm a man, you know? And, and I realize that what happens is I, I, I'm limited, and, and it's kind of made me feel discouraged and discontented, and I'm like, what in the world's going on with that? And what it is is I'm realizing I'm having a hard time accepting some of my own limits. I remember years ago, I used to always work out and try really hard to dunk a basketball. I'm all of five foot ten, right? And I don't have hops, but I, have, I had this dream, this idea that I could do that. And I remember working out all the time and gr- jumping up. And I could grab the rim and I could take a tennis ball and I could jump, dump, dunk that. And I'm like, almost there, almost there. You know, and then, and then fat happened. And then, <laughs> and then lazy happened. And then, you know, and then I, I mean, I'm like, I can't, if I wanted to, now I don't even know if I could touch the net. And then I'm like, what? And uh, the reality set in some time ago, I'm, probably not going to be able to dunk a basketball. Wow. And I was discontented with that. And so somehow that's part of who I am. I get discontented because I have a hard time accepting my limits. Here's, here's another one for me. Is I, I see what other people do and wish I could do it like they do. I mean, I'm just being honest. I, I, I look at other people and I see their gifts. I mean, I'm like, man, I wish I could have their gift. Man, they're so good at that. I wish I, could be, I wish I could be a better speaker. I listen to great speakers sometimes. I go, man, I wish I could speak like they could. You know, I, I watch people that, that write books and do all that. I mean, I, man, I wish I could do and I, and And I want what they have, and there's this discontentment because they don't. And, and for me, but, and I'll just throw this out, it isn't what people have. It's what they can do. That's, that's the one that gets me. For a lot of people, it's what they have. The, but that, that's not on my list. Here, here's another one, and this is just me being really honest. I am sometimes selfish. I'm just focused on me. And when I get focused on me, 
And then all of a sudden, everything starts spinning out of control, and I get discontented because not everybody is doing what I want them to do. It's not happening the way I want it to happen. It's not playing out the way I want it to play out. It's not there. And all of a sudden, I get really, really selfish, and then, and then there's kind of a sub-point to this one, is that somehow in a sick, kind of weird kind of way, I think I deserve better, and I almost get resentful because of it. So discontentment and resentment kind of become these two things that run together. It's kind of an interesting thought, but that's me, all right? I'm just throwing that out for me just to let you know. I'm wrestling with this too, trying to figure out what is it about discontentment because I know it's a heavy thing. See, most people that I know are discontented with some area of their lives. I mean, if you get really have that conversation that we're just discontented in one way or another, maybe it's, it's with your home life or, or maybe it's with your family life or your relationships or your job or, or maybe it's where you're at in life and you thought you'd be somewhere further down the road. Maybe that's what you're discontented with. It's like, man, I thought I'd be somewhere else. I thought I'd be this, but now I'm really just this, and that it isn't measuring up. Or, or maybe it's your marriage. You know, you look at your marriage, and you're, like, discontented in how well things are going or not going, or it just isn't happening in the way you thought it was going to happen. It wasn't going to be this way, but somehow that's what it is, and you're discontented with your marriage. Or maybe it's more, you know, temporal. Maybe it's your house. You know, I don't like my house. I don't like my cabinets. I'm discontented with this and this and this and this and this. I don't like that. Or, or your car. You know, you get the beater car and you can't stand the fact you got this beater car. You know, I don't want a beater car. It's about that. Or maybe it's your looks. You know, you look in the mirror and you're just discontented with your looks. You wish you looked different or you ha- didn't have that or this or whatever. And it's just discontent. And the list goes on and on and on. And here's the deal. Discontentment in the home will cause many times things like anger and frustration and bitterness and all the other things that we've talked about come out of this discontented thing. And somehow, in some way, it usually leads to this. It usually leads to separation. You're like, well, and I'm not just talking about relational separation. I'm talking about distance. I'm not going to let you in and you can't get in and there's no interaction. It doesn't happen. And so we have that because of this disconnected thing, which a lot of times, again, this time of year, that comes alive because that's real. Or, or if it's personal discontentment in my own personal life leaves me feeling a certain way, it leaves me feeling like I'm constantly under tension. Or there's this uneasiness that just kind of is like a cloud that rests over me. Or I, I'll tell Jennifer this sometimes. I'll say, I just feel unsettled. I just feel unsettled. But really what that is is I've got this discontentment thing that I'm not dealing with. That somehow it's not dealt with properly. I need to get rid of it and figure out what that means. So there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 14, I think kind of sums this up. It says this, it's healthy to be content, but envy can eat you up. Isn't that true? That somehow, boy, if I'm discontented, it just starts to eat at me. and just makes me feel miserable in everything and what I am and where I'm at. So, so what is discontentment? And, and really, a simple definition is this. It's a lack of inner satisfaction, lack of inner satisfaction, and personal fulfillment. In other words, I'm never satisfied. That's what discontentment is. I'm never satisfied. And our text says, in, in that text in Ephesians, it says that much of what we need to get rid of, check this out, is the result of a consuming, twisted desire for something we don't have. 
See, a lot of what we need to get rid of is actually attached to this thought that it's been stirred up within us because of the sinful nature that I have that is corrupted by lust and deception. In other words, desire and lies. That somehow I bought into this lie that that's going to satisfy or that's going to satisfy or that's going to satisfy. And so the desire in me starts chasing after it to get everything I can out of it. And so that's where it comes from, that somehow that's happening. And if we're going to travel light, we have to figure out how to get rid of discontentment. How do I get rid of that? So it reveals itself. Let me just go through these real quickly. It reveals itself in several different ways. And some of them are kind of go along with what mine were, my list was. But discontentment usually or almost pretty, pretty much every time starts with the same thing. It starts with the absence of trust. It starts with the absence of trust that, that we struggle to accept God's ability to come through. That somehow, some shape, some way, that if I'm disconnected, you probably can find somewhere in the scenario a place where I said, I don't trust God. I don't think that God can do that. Or I don't know if God's going to come through here. And so somehow I push God out of the picture and I don't trust the way God wants me to trust, and discontentment then fills its place. Matter of fact, it was a lack of trust that led Adam and Eve in the garden to a place of discontentment with God. They didn't trust that God was actually truthful in what he said he was. Say, hey, here's the deal. Just hang out with me. Don't go be a part of that tree because when you do, things aren't going to go real well. Trust me. And they said, I don't know if I can trust you. And because of that, they became discontented, and they went and took part in that tree. Lust and deception. It was still part of the same picture. Here's another one. Discontentment is driven by a desire to acquire. A desire to acquire. We want or we desire the things of life to give us a sense of value because we've been deceived. I mean, it's everywhere. Everything you look at, you turn on the TV, commercial after commercial after commercial, ad after ad after ad is telling you, if you have this, you will be satisfied. If you have this, you will be satisfied. Everything is promising fulfillment, but delivers very little. And so, so the idea that somehow I'm going to have this sense of value and fulfillment in this because we've been deceived to think that this stuff defines my life. That somehow the brand or the size or, or, or the amount of something is going to make me have this sense that I'm fulfilled and I'm satisfied in this. And the reality is it won't do it. It just won't produce the contentment that I want, and so I'm still left in discontent, and so somehow I've got to figure out what to do about that. The Bible describes it with different words. Here's some of the words, and they're kind of hard words, but the words that the Bible uses, words like greed, you know? I mean, greed, that idea of just wanting, 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 going after, chasing after something, or, or coveting. You know, coveting is what you have. Greed has to do is I'm going to pile more and more and more. Greed has to, I mean, coveting has to do with you have something, I want it. You know, so it's that way. And so, and then my favorite, the old King James Version, filthy lucre. <laughs> I love filthy lucre. I just, I love to say it. I don't love it. I mean, I love the, that didn't sound right. The phrase filthy lucre makes me laugh. How's that? <laughs> right? But really what it has to do is this idea that somehow I've, I've attached myself to something that really isn't meant to give me life. All right? So here's a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 12 says it this way. Jesus speaking, and he's, and he's telling people, hey, here's, and it's on the same idea. Beware. <clears throat> 
Guard against every kind of greed. And, and, and it's interesting right there because every kind of greed gives you this idea that there's not just one kind of greed. There's all kinds of greeds in different ways and shapes and forms that this shows up. And, but here's his answer or his, his perspective, if you will. Life is not measured by how much you own. He said, don't get caught up in that. Don't get deceived by that. Don't be lied by that. Don't fall in the trap of thinking that more stuff is going to satisfy. Here's a verse in Proverbs I came across that cracked me up. Verse 30, I mean, chapter 30, verse 15, it says, greed has twins, each, each named give me. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Anyway, you know, it's that idea that I'm always wanting or need. So discontentment is driven by a desire to acquire. Here's another one. Discontentment is overly focused on disappointment is overly focused on disappointment. In other words, we magnify the bad or our limits. We magnify that. We pull out that big, you know, Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass, and we put it on it, and we magnify the bad. We magnify the limit, and that's all we see. We can't see all the good things. We can't see all the great things. We can't see all the amazing things. We can't see any of that because the only thing that we're focused on is disappointment, and discontentment grows in the context of focusing on disappointments. So when we get overly focused on disappointments, it easily leads us then into a couple different areas. It leads us into depression very easily. It leads us into more and more pursuit of perfection, which is unrealistic. I mean, so we have this process that is just feeding on itself, that is out of control, that somehow I've got to deal with this idea that discontentment is overly focused on disappointment. And here's another one before we get to how to get rid of it. Discontentment. It's fueled by comparison, by comparison. You know, I was thinking, you know, as I was put this thought or this point together, that what if there was no one or nothing to compare to? I mean, just, just think about that right now. If, I, if, I, if there was nothing or no one to compare to, would I be wearing the same thing today? Would I be driving the same vehicle? Would I be living in the same home? I mean, would, I, I mean, would, everything, would there be different things about my life? I, I think there would be. Because I think a lot of what we're part of today in our world is built on this idea of comparing ourselves to one another. We're looking at what that person has or what that person is or does. And we, we, and we get caught up in this little trap, this little deception, you know? What if there was no houses to compare to or cars or clothing? Galatians chapter 6 says it this way. Pay careful attention to your own work. Pay careful attention to your own work. And in other words, he said, hey, if you're going to focus on something, don't focus on what everybody else is doing. Focus on where you are in relationship to me. Focus on that. Pay careful attention to your own work for then, check this out, you will get satisfaction for a job well done. In other words, you won't get caught up or sucked up in this idea, and you won't need to compare yourself with anyone else. And in other words, there's a freedom that comes from discontentment if I don't get trapped in the comparison trap that's out there. So how do you get rid of it? How do you get rid of it? Philippians chapter 4, I think, Paul, and actually the whole book of Philippians addresses this whole idea because the book of Philippians is all about finding joy in the midst of chaos. That's, that's really the whole story of Philippians. And so when you read through there, and that's why several of the verses that we're going to look at here today are from Philippians, because he was dealing with a group of people that their circumstances were crazy, and it was kind of out of control, but in the midst of the out of control, there was still this contentment that was happening because of the presence of God in their lives, okay? Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writing here. He says, I have learned, 
might want to underline that word, learned. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, hey, I've been all over the map here, but whether it's I, I'm in a position where it's I got a lot or got a little, I'm learning the contentment. I can learn that. And he goes on, I have learned the secret. He actually calls it a secret. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, not just the good ones or the that's not too bad or the easy, difficult, I mean, not the easier ones. He's talking about in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then here's the key of it right here. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The him is Jesus. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So getting rid of discontentment is a, first of all, learning process. I need to learn contentment. I've got to, I've got to apply myself in the processes of life to try to figure out how, if I'm discontented and that's part of who I am, I have to make myself, position myself in a place where, Lord, I'm saying, Lord, teach me <laughs> to be content. Help me be in a place where I find contentment. So it's this idea that we're going to learn to get rid of the wanting and find an attitude of contentment. But most of us, we haven't found the secret. It's still a secret. And maybe this Christmas it's going to be different. So here's four things, all right? Four things. First one is that we need to learn. Learn to be detached from the things and attached to God. Learn to be detached from things and attached to God. Because I need to understand that God's purpose for my life is better than my purpose for my life. I need to understand that somehow the things, they're not giving me contentment. They never will. They never meant to. They can't do it. It's just impossible. It's not going to happen that way. But somehow God, who gives me strength, who provides this contentment in the midst of any situation, in the midst of any circumstance, that's where it happens. So I have to detach myself from things and attach myself to God. Not meaning that things are bad, but I'm attached first and foremost to God. So... How do I do that? To be detached, we have to adjust our value system. We have to evaluate what really matters. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. What he was saying, here's the deal. The most valuable thing that I have that's going to be the answer to everything else in my life is this relationship and this interaction with the person of Jesus Christ, the baby Jesus who grew up to provide sacrifice for my life. First Timothy chapter 6 is this way, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So the first step to learning contentment is to recognize that we don't need half the stuff we already have and let alone most of the stuff we want. That, that somehow I just understand that, that this well-being is, is something grander and bigger than the stuff. It's something that God in me creates, this, this presence of who he is, that I enjoy this inner peace that only comes from him, which, by the way, is interesting. You're like, well, what's interesting? Contentment. How many of you ever heard of towns or, uh, and I can't remember where it's at, but there's actually towns in America called contentment. Anybody ever heard of that? Just me. Okay, I heard of that. I must have made it up. It was on the internet. <laughs> it's true. 
But here's the deal. When I was studying about contentment for this message this week, I realized something about the word content or contentment. And here's what it was. Originally, one of the early understandings of the word was regarding a city or a community that was content. And here's how it worked. A lot of times there would be a community of a whole bunch of people and they would have a fort and they would have this garrison kind of thing and these big walls and all this kind of stuff. And attacking warring groups would try to take over their city. And they'd pull up the gates and you've seen the pictures on TV and they'd kind of guard it and all that kind of stuff. And if that community could withstand a big army being outside of it, trying to attack it, and be sufficient inside with food, water, shelter, and all that they needed to be able to survive for a long time, that city was considered to be content. And so here's the point. The point is, is it wasn't what was going on outside there that made them content. It was what was going on inside. It was somehow understanding there's something in me that makes me content, not something out there that brings contentment, that somehow that's how it really works. So this idea of being content is built around this idea of something in me working. Here's the the second part of being detached and attached. Is to be attached, we have to trust that God will meet our needs. We have to trust that, that God is sufficient, not me. It's him, Him who gives me strength. Next point. So learn to be detached and attached. Next point is learn to be thankful for what you have. For many of us, we we have more of a fearful attitude than a thankful attitude. We're afraid of what we might lose and what we don't have. And so we have more of a what-if mentality instead of a thank-God mentality. But the answer to discontentment, to getting rid of it, is thankfulness. That somehow I'd be thankful. Check out Philippians chapter 4. It says, tell God what you need and thank Him for most of the things that you have. All. Thank him for all he has done, all the things that have taken place, difficult, hard, all that stuff. Then, check out what happens. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything you can, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Something happens when we're thankful. Something happens powerfully when we're thankful, and what it does is it gets rid of discontent, discontentment in a way I can't even explain because there's something that takes place in us that when we're just thankful, all of a sudden the discontentment starts to dissolve and disappear. Being thankful. Next one, because I want to get to the end here because i got a video I want to show. Learn to be focused on the well-being of others. Discontentment only survives if I'm selfish. Philippians chapter 2 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of, your, thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others. In other words, shifting your focus gets rid of discontentment. And the last one is this. Learn to be generous without expectation of return. See, generosity gets rid of discontentment. And generosity works best when I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm giving and I expect nothing in return. That I just give to give, that I'm living to give, that I'm living to be a blessing. Proverbs 11 says it this way, the generous will prosper, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's just part of what happens. The discontentment disappears when generosity steps up to the plate. Jennifer, a couple weeks ago, sent me this video clip of a of a guy that was walking around giving away $100 bills. And it just inspired me. It fits kind of, I think, pretty well with what we're talking about. So check out this video.
Whether you believe in Santa Claus or God or fate, no matter what you believe, you're not going to believe what happened in Reading, Pennsylvania. All right, let's go. It began like all the other times. Every year I go out with Secret Santa, an anonymous businessman who travels the country at Christmas time, randomly going up to people in bus stations and thrift stores and handing out $100 bills. Are you lying? Oh, no, it's true. Oh, my God, this is crazy. Although the reactions are priceless. Every year he spends sometimes more than $100,000 of his own money on this. Here's $100. And one thing I've always wondered is, is it really worth it? You don't know what these people are going to do with this money. Do you care? No, <clears throat> because one of the things that I do is I do not judge. Good thing, because separating the naughty from nice and this is, for you. is definitely not his forte. I didn't earn that. You, you did earn it, because I can tell you're a good man. A good man? Yeah. When was the last time you heard that? Maybe, like, uh, my mom. 30-year-old Thomas Coates is a total deadbeat, at least by most accounts, including his own. I wish I was Addicted to heroin, he recently hocked his own son's toys for drug money. That's how bad it is. I haven't worked in over a year you now. I spent so much time in and out of treatment facilities. Why his girlfriend hasn't left him and taken their son is a mystery even to her. Grab your bag. But she is now running out of patience, which is why the night before we met him, during yet another one of their many money fights, she suggested he try something radical. She said, maybe you can shoot a prayer up to God real quick, you know? I know, you know, you, you don't really believe in him, but maybe you can start. And so he did pray for the first time since childhood. Take it, it's for you. Take it, take it. Then, out of the blue, the saint shows up, slipping hundreds into his hand. You could almost see the wheels turning. That kind of kindness from a total stranger the day after he prayed. You're my man. See you, pal. It was too much of a coincidence for this atheist to bear. It's amazing. That, to me, was a miracle. That was God saying, all right, he had enough now. I'm going to show you something. So from here on out, it's up to me. After meeting Secret Santa, Thomas checked himself into a treatment facility. And although he's done it before, he says this will be the first time with a higher power at the helm. Maybe that gave him the hope that he needs to break his addiction. And maybe that'll be the turning point that'll change his life, and maybe he won't go back. Now, wouldn't that be worth it? every penny steve hartman on the road in redding pennsylvania cool huh yeah so here's the thought as, as the worship team comes um maybe maybe this week you uh <laughs> i love the word in the video maybe you have some deadbeats that that are part of your story that in and where you're at in life this week I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to not go in there with that same discontented, you know, disappointed, attached to the things kind of mentality. Go in there with a thankful, generous, without expectation. Because, here's the point, maybe God would want to use you this week to really bring life change to somebody. 
I, I, just, I just firmly believe that that's the, the whole point of this message today isn't just so we don't get caught up in the stuff. It's that we can be in a position where God can use us. That we can become whole and that we can become holy. In other words, I, I'm, I'm where God wants me to be so he can use me. And maybe the disconnected, discontented thing that you've been carrying around for a long time, you need to junk that thing. You need to junk it because God wants to do some things through you that are huge, that are big, that are life-changing, that takes deadbeats and changes and transform their lives. I don't know. Maybe God's going to do that this week through a bunch of you. But I have to get rid of the discontentment because if they're, let me just throw it this way. The guy in the story that's giving away the $100 bills, if he had the whole discontented thing, I guarantee you he's not out there giving away $100 bills. He's not there. I bet you it's happening. So somehow, some way. So here's the deal. Two choices that I want to challenge you with. The first one is this. Is maybe you're here today and you've never started this whole process that I'm talking about because you haven't applied or accepted the work of Jesus in your own life. Number one. Can't, you can't even begin this whole thing that we're talking about unless that's happened. Maybe you've been living your whole life in your own power and your own strength and it's clearly not working. That was a revelation in my life several years ago. I was doing it in my own power and my own strength and it wasn't working and I had to cry out to somebody that could actually make sense of my life and it was Jesus. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe this Christmas is the Christmas that your life changes first and foremost. That's the first challenge. Second challenge is this. Maybe you've been discontented and it's just been driving everything you are. It's just made you an Maybe it's just an ugly person. And God is challenging you right now. Hey, would you learn a different way? Because this discontentment thing is killing you. It's eating you up. So maybe today you could start to say, Lord, teach me how to be content. Lord, help me to be detached from the things and attached to you. Help me to be thankful. Help me to focus on the other people, not myself. Help me to be generous. Lord, that's my decision. Heads bowed, eyes closed before the Lord today. Just you and Jesus doing some business right now. Maybe the first challenge is this. And you said, yes, Lord, Pastor, I I need to make a decision to accept Jesus because I've been doing it my own way. And I need forgiveness and I need a brand new start. That's me today. God's speaking to me. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being honest. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, what, Pastor, I, I, I think I've been letting this discontentment grab a hold of me and I can't be in a place where I can really be what God wants me to be, that whole and holy person separated for God because of discontentment and I need to begin the process to simply learn to be content. God's speaking to me. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me so I know who I'm praying with? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Lord, I pray for the two groups today. First and foremost, God, for those that have made a huge decision today that says, Lord, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to heal me and forgive me and give me life. I can't do it myself. God, there's nothing in me that really is able to do any of it. So, Lord, I'm crying out to you right now. Make me new. Forgive me and give me a fresh start, God. May my life be different from this moment. Lord, I pray for all those that raised their hand and said, God, I've been discontented and Lord, I want to learn to be content. So help me, God 
to be attached to you, to be thankful, to be focused on others, to be generous. Lord, help me to do that. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name.